Hey, it's Michael back to break down the season four finale of Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters. Today, I was lucky enough to sit down with season two winners, Mark and Steven, to break down this epic finale. And even though the season is over, the podcast is just getting started because next week I'll be bringing you a recap of the two-part holiday Bricktacular, plus exit interviews with this season's finalists and postseason deep dives with all of your favorites from season four. So be sure to stay subscribed to make sure you don't miss out on all of the fun we've got coming your way. And now with all that out of the way, let's jump into our finale recap. Well, this was an amazing season. Season four had to be bigger than ever. And so, of course, the finale delivered. And I have to deliver, too, on the podcast by bringing together a panel that really understands what it takes to win the show. So back from season two, you know and love them, your Lego Masters winners, Mark and Steven. Say hello to everyone. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for having us back, Michael. Appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. The pleasure's actually all mine. I am in the presence of Lego Masters royalty. So, um, you know, I'm the the lucky one here. Uh, But, you know, this was quite a finale. This was quite a season, you know, definitely a lot of different challenges than when you were on the show. We haven't had a chance to catch up. What have the two of you thought about everything? Wow. So season four, uh, some truly incredible challenges, some real wow (laughs) moments. I mean, the volcano in particular comes back to my memory and this a really cool season. Great cast of characters making some amazing builds. Just really impressed overall. Mm -hmm. This one was definitely, it definitely kept me glued to the screen. A lot of twists and turns, (laughs) a lot of really fun challenges. And I got to say, this is the first time watching Lego Masters, I felt nostalgic. I'm like, ooh, I want to do that. I want to go back. That looks like fun. (laughs) Yeah, like all the, uh, all like the, you know, the trauma of being on the show has like, has finally washed away. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was, it was all pure joy, but, uh, but, but it's glad, I'm glad to hear that you're taking even more pleasure in it maybe than you were before. But I mean, this was a really interesting last challenge. You know, in your season, we had the notable lay on of the day and night component where you had to use the lights. And we sort of haven't had like that extra lay on, you know, since that challenge. And so now here for season four, uh, you know, Will says, you know, now things are a little different now. Yes, you're still competing for the title of Lego Masters, $100,000 and an incredible brick built trophy. But this season, there's even more. We've had this secret all season long. We've been keeping from you. We're doing something we've never done before. And he says, we want this final build to be the biggest, most incredible, most breathtaking creation you've ever built because the team that wins Lego Masters season four will be flown to Lego Group headquarters in Bill and Denmark, where you will work with Amy, Jamie, and the professional design team to turn your final build into an actual Lego set. And obviously us at home have known about this the whole time, but I feel like everyone's reactions was just so palpable and genuine. But what's your two reaction knowing, you know, if you would have waited two seasons, your build could have been a set. Oh my word. This was, in my opinion, very overdue. I'm I'm so happy it's finally here, <laughs> but that's one of the most commonly asked questions I've ever, we've, we've ever had on whether we're at shows from fans. Everyone wants to know, are there going to be Lego master sets? And for years we had to say no, but here we are. We're finally going to have a Lego master set. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm extremely excited for it. Yeah. This must've been in the back of their minds during the entire build process. Once they found out about this news and kind of factored into what they were doing, like, Oh, this is going to be a set added that extra layer of pressure. Good grief. That must have been crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and 
You know, Will even says building a Lego masterpiece in 24 hours is hard. Creating a master build that will inspire a Lego set is even harder. That's what he says on the episode. And, you know, so often now people like have learned to sort of how the show works. They can try to anticipate that, you know, if they make it to the final build, this is what we might build. And I know what when we talked like in your postseason deep dive, that was something the two of you had done. You had some thoughts about what your final build might be. But now having this extra layer that you don't find out about until you're there, you know, I wonder like psychologically how that would get in your head because you 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 know, it's going to be a long build, you know what you're going to do. But now there now this could be a set. Absolutely. If you have kind of a couple ideas in mind, having an extra twist thrown on can really throw a wrench in the whole operation. But I think this is a testament to these three teams and that they were able to just, you know, continue on, adapt and kind of keep that in their mind as they were building. So um, I think that, you know, they were it didn't seem to phase them too badly, but I'm sure it was at least a factor in all the, the craziness that happens in that 24 hour build. Totally. Yeah, I'm sure all of these teams had a plan in mind going in. Um, and the idea of like a set is now your model is not going to be a set. Uh, definitely played a factor. But I'm sure they they sprinted along with their ideas because it looked like they they in my opinion they had already had an idea ready to go. They're very flexible teams, but I think it would have I think it would have just spurred me on even more personally. I would have just charged in and be like, "Yes, we're gonna have a set finally." So more like an encouragement <laughs> than a detriment. Yeah, yeah, I think it would have encouraged the builders. I, I I don't think it would have thrown them off too bad. So that that it's a good it's a good addition to that new layer for the finale. Definitely. Well, and it really feels like this time they wanted them to go big. That's what we we kept hearing them say. Will said, there are no limits to what you can build. So make it as big and as eye catching as you can. Um, And, you know, even, um, you know, uh, Jamie said, this needs to be your biggest and best build of the season. That is a full 360 master build that shows us why you deserve the title of our next Lego Masters. So it's one of those things where, you know, maybe the extra lay on is the set, but I think also size was a lay on that we maybe haven't seen yet. I mean, obviously everyone does build big in the finale, but I mean, this was big. Definitely uh, in this case, size does matter uh, because they took that <laughs> prompt very, very literally. Um, definitely the largest builds we've ever seen. Um, and the 360 part did stand out to me. Um, for our season a few years back, we were not asked to do that specifically. Um, now, most of the builds were 360, but ours was not. We had three sides. The The back wasn't quite as finished as the front. Um, I, that, that's a new thing. And I, I I think that was a pretty cool addition too. It adds it, it adds more. You have to, it's more to the payload. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> they took that very literally. Go big or go home. Yeah, these were, uh, even... Um, Paul and Alita, who was probably the smallest one, was still a, a huge build. It's a massive building and really well done. So all three teams definitely excelling in the size and, you know, the biggest, grandest build they could do for their entire season. I mean, and that that being said, you know, Sam and Nina made a huge carpet and these builds still <laughs> seemed big compared to that context. So, I mean, there's it's a, it's quite the season of Lego Masters. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it definitely was. Well, Let's jump into it then. Um, and the one thing I just, uh, you know, that we'll start with is, you know, how the teams approached things during the build phase. So let's kick things off with Christopher and Robert. You know, part of what they wanted to do, what, or first of all, they were incredibly motivated by the idea of it being a Lego set. Um, you know, certainly Christopher has this unbelievable collection of like more Lego sets than anyone. So th- I think the idea of this was especially important to them. But they wanted to go big. They, they said from the beginning, we're going to build a massive eight foot by eight foot airplane. And when the Brickmasters came around, 
you know, Robert told them that. And, you know, Jamie had some concerns about the weight of the model. And I love, though, when they left, Christopher says, bro, why did you say we were going to build the biggest Lego Masters build ever? Now we actually have to do that. Um, but, <laughs> but what was your takeaway to just how ambitious they were willing to push it, knowing that there's some physical limitations to the brick? Yeah, uh, Christopher and Robert have, have proven this season that they have no lack in ambition and inspiration <laughs> to go beyond what's normally thought possible with Lego. So uh, they they approach this challenge with even more zest than usual, I think. Um, they, they, what, what I really found cool about their team is when they're told specifically to pivot, they may just continue in their plan steadfastly and they actually tend to succeed in what they've done. We've seen in a couple of challenges before. So uh, as soon as they announced they're doing a big one, Christopher is like, Oh no, now we have to do that. Cause we said, we're going to do it. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's part of their whole routine. And I think it actually worked out terrific in the end, of course, but yeah. Uh, great, great work from the two of them uh, tackling this massive project. I mean, they, they had no hesitation. They're just like, we're just going to build this giant thing. There's, there's no looking back. So amazing work. <laughs> And Christopher, like right from the start, like they're like, you know, get your brick on. And he's like, building a plane, go grab the beams or, or something like that. He like, like they, they hit the ground running like right at the start and, and only the way that Christopher can. Um, but, you know, you know, they also had like the moment where they're actually going to attach the wings. So Robert says, do you want to attach the wings first? Christopher in his Christopher way says, it's the wings first. That is the objective correct answer. Um, <laughs> which I just love. Um, but, you know, they talk about how building the plane of this size is really an engineering challenge. You know, if the wings were to break, there's really no coming back from that. It could even potentially like take off part of the model. So like, you know, what was your thoughts just about how you would approach building something that has to support this kind of weight? So while we were watching this finale, uh, me and Mark couldn't help but remember the fact that we uh, we also in not too long ago had to build a very large airplane as well. Nowhere near the size of Christopher and Roberts, obviously, <laughs> but we ran into some similar dilemmas. Um, Lego is interesting. It's incredibly strong, but it's also flexible. Um, no matter how you do it, it's going to flex in some way, shape or form, but it also distorts too. If you apply the plates correctly, it can pull on its own weight, to, usually towards the inside of the studs. Um, so, But if you're doing a much thicker wing, it's, it cancels that out. So there was a lot going on. Thankfully, there was barely any warping. Maybe in a few of the shots, you kind of see a little bit of it. But whatever there was they pulled off, it was kind of hard to see in the quick shots and, and during the show. But um, whatever they pulled off, I think it worked. And they had enough supports on the bottom, so they didn't have to worry about sagging on the body. Um, I, I think they accomplished their mission, which was, uh, you know, make sure everything looks stable and clean and smooth. I, I think I think they got it together at the end. I think it, it paid off. Attaching the wings also seemed to go pretty well for them too. They, they, mm -hmm. they, there's a little bit of a tense moment as they're trying to apply it. And I think even a few pieces may have popped off while they're trying to get it to securely fasten with all those large plates attaching to one another. But they were able to get it uh, woven together pretty successfully, I think, mm -hmm. uh, despite the incredible size. Yeah. And it seems like it was this extra Technic spine. Robert says, you know, what if I spend another 30 minutes building a Technic spine? And we do see those sort of like, I don't even know which, how you want to call it, but like those rectangle of Technic beams, you know, it's like it's one piece, but it's like a like a rectangle, if you will, that has Technic holes on all sides. And they were able to use it looks like that to create the spine, which may which may have been a strange application of, of Technic. I think the longer beams probably would have been the you know more obvious choice, but I also could have been seeing it wrong. Um, but yes, they were able to do it. And, you know, 
the other funny moment was at the very end, um, you know, they, they, they like count them down, you know, like it's the end of the challenge and Christopher's reaction, he's just like, we finish. Yeah. And he like grabs like one of those trays and he like bangs it on the table. And like, it was just like <laughs> that moment. But I mean, I'm sure you can relate. I mean, you've been building for weeks on end. There's creative fatigue, there's physical fatigue and you want it so bad. And at least once it's done, you can, you can sort of like leave it to God now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the relief when you're done. It's like nothing you'd ever feel. Uh, we felt pretty happy with our model. Well, speaking for, for ourselves, um, we definitely felt very happy with our model. And the the relief was, it's like nothing you'd ever experienced. I, I vividly remember in this episode as well, uh, Christopher and Sam running over and giving each other huge hugs, uh, huge hugs <laughs> all around, like, oh, my word, patting the shoulder, everything, and like pat, <laughs> slap each other on the back. And the fact, it, it's always the us versus the challenge. That's the best way of seeing the show, uh, the, the the builders versus the challenge. Um, and I really think that they, they embodied the spirit of that for sure. Um, but oh my word, the relief when all the bricks are over and it's, it's done, you have a model you're proud of. I mean, it's, it's heavenly the feeling <laughs> of victory. Fantastic. <laughs> I oh, know. The yes. The only thing I can sort of equate it to was when, when I finished like the ACT and I was like, well, maybe I'll get into college. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it was really great to see, uh, Christopher and Robert in this challenge, but let's move on to Paul and Nalita. So, you know, their build was really about their family history and Christmas Eve. And, you know, one of the things they talked about was, you know, Paul in the episode says to Will, you know, I still can't believe we've gotten this far. And, you know, Nalita says doing this has brought us even closer. And, um, you know, we've put our eyes to ideas together and we've come up with beautiful bills. So this is the brother sister team. You were a brother brother team. I mean, what is it like, you know, like, you know, put, our, put yourself in Paul and Nalita's shoes and tell us what it must be like to go through this experience as siblings. Yeah, so working with your sibling is overall really great, but it does have its downsides too, because in some ways with a, a friend or uh, you know whoever else you could be doing it with, with your sibling, there's no hesitation to say, that's wrong, don't do that. And the <laughs> argument could arise very quickly because you know, you're used to that with siblings. But yeah. at the same time, I think there's um, a, a deeper relationship there than with many friends, I would say, with most friends. If you're, if you're close to your brother or sister, that's very meaningful and very helpful to have that uh, relationship and working with that in Lego Masters. So I'm not exactly sure the nature of how you know brother and sister Paul and Nalita um, work together, but clearly they do pretty good because they were able to work on this very large project. And I think they were able to accomplish most of what they were trying to do. So I, I think that um, having a brother and sister really helped them in this situation. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that too. Um, <laughs> uh, working with your sibling, yeah, every now and then, you know, like, bro, what's going on here? Like, we need a window. What happened? You can make windows. Where's the windows? Uh, those happen. But thankfully, yeah. you also know how to how to smoothen it out. You you know how the person works. You know, you know what we know what our limits are. We know uh what our techniques are. We build together all the time. And that's that was probably, I think, our ace up our sleeve was Mark could build something. And in his I know his style as well as my own, but I use my own. So it's extremely useful to have someone that you trust really so much and you've worked with so well. Um, even with the bumps in the road, which do happen. I mean, it's a <laughs> lot of stress. But yeah. uh, I saw quite a bit of that with Paul and Alita. I, I, I was, um, they, they definitely snuck under the radar a few times there, but it was really cool seeing them finale 
And uh, it's nice to see siblings in the finale, of course. For sure. Well, I do remember in the finale uh, when one of you kicked out uh, the uh, the plug for the lights and the and the tension <laughs> yep. that that caused with the two of you. So, oh, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yes. it was a black cord on a black floor, matte black on matte black. I couldn't see it, and I got big old feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and 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 like you said, Mark, like you know, with, with a friend or someone else, maybe you, you, the, there's some pleasantries, but when it's your sibling, the pleasantries go out the door. Um, cause you know, you already lost respect for them a long time ago. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> exactly. you're brutally honest with your siblings. Most of the exactly, time. Sometimes exactly. it helps. Sometimes it helps. Yeah. Well, um, the only other thing is, you know, you know, Paul and Alita had a great check-in with the judges. And one thing they talked about was the, their figures and sort of establishing scale. And it was one of those like little nuggets that um, I really hadn't thought about. But Amy makes an interesting point, which is, you know, she says, I, d- I think definitely as you're building the house, getting it to a certain place, it's really wise to test out your figure and see if are you happy with the scaling you have, because it's easier to change the scale of a figure than the whole house. And, you know, I'm curious, like your thoughts having been, you know, in this competition, because there are certain things you can pivot on. There are certain things you can't pivot on. Like it's too, you're too far gone. Like Robert and, and Christopher, they couldn't redo the wings. Like if they, if they were too ambitious, it was too late, you know, like, but, but, it, but this was an interesting nugget that sort of maybe spoke to me about this idea that there are some things that would be possible to pivot on and some things that wouldn't. So I'm curious just to get your reaction to that feedback from Amy and Jamie. Yeah, it's, it's clear that uh, Paul and Nalita went in with a plan to not use the typical minifigure scale. They're going for these larger sculpted figures. And interestingly, all three teams did that. There, there weren't, I don't think we saw that many minifigures at all, if, if any. I think I saw one. And, um, and that was maybe, I'm not sure if the judges had extra prompts for them that we didn't necessarily see in the edit, but it, it, I think that they, you know, this is part of their plan. And uh, they had to really, you have to be careful when building, especially in a scale that's not really as, uh, you know, everything's a minifigure scale, but once you get outside of that, it's a lot more unknown territory for most builders, I would say. And uh, they ended up scaling their house much bigger than maybe scale. They would be doll sized in that house if they put them in there. So uh, they have to really factor that in when building. I mean, Stephen and I, we definitely leaned away from minifigures in our season, but at the end, we're like a tiny minifigure in this uh, sculpture's hand would be really impactful. So if you can kind of use it to your advantage. It's a, a great way to make your mock stand out. Yeah, and as far as the scale, um, that reminded me a lot of um, Australia season one, Lego Masters Australia season one, where a team um, built a Titanic model uh, for a cinema theme, and uh, the mini the characters they built were a little larger than brickheads, but the boat was big too. But it was a funny scale, and the judge Brickman kind of let them have it like hang on this is not correct this is, <laughs> this is throwing me off and i think amy and jamie i'm sure they maybe they've seen some mr australia as well but i'm sure they were thinking a similar philosophy to make sure that uh the scale uh was correct i think it was too i think they had a, a just mm-hmm. just right scale for for their model um but yeah that, that can look really weird like it sounds small but when you see a final product it's like oh yeah that judge was completely right it doesn't look right so good for them yeah well i think like when you're when you're thinking about pleasing the judges like you don't want something that's gonna like that's gonna take them out of the build like so to your point if the scale just seemed like if it was minifigures and the and the chairs and the tables were 10 times you know their size you'd be like oh it's good but i can't get over this one little thing you know so in some ways i feel like it it also takes something off the board you know for the judges to be like nitpicky about so then they can just enjoy your build 
Um, so it was definitely a good call for from uh, Paul and Alita. And then the last thing with them is right at the end, there's like 15 minutes left. Paul picks up the second chunk of roof of the roof and just breaks it. It like snaps into a bunch of pieces. And Alita says there's 15 minutes left. So they were panicking to get it done. I mean, this is a really wild moment this late into the build, you know, phase. Well, uh, I mean, we brought it up a bit ago, but I am very familiar with that kind of adrenaline rush that comes with the potential or the the actual damage to a model uh, after tripping on that notorious cord. Um, so I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm glad I'm not the only <laughs> guy who's who's had this happen. So I'm sorry, Paul. I've been there. I know what I know what it's like, man. <laughs> I got you back. <laughs> so Stephen mentioned earlier that this was the first season that we've had just a you know a lot more enjoyment, nostalgia, less anxiety. This was when when Paul uh, you hear that crunch. You didn't quite see it from the angle that the camera had, but you hear that crunch and, and I, the anxiety was all back. I'm like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> Paul, no, not the roof deep in your chest. And you know, so you it, it brought it right back to uh, you know watching your own season or watching season three and still feeling that anxiety. So uh, you know, thankfully they seem to fix it pretty quickly it didn't seem to really stop them too badly and the roof ended up looking good at the end so um, but yeah that was definitely a moment to note uh, in the show <laughs> i'd also want to point out um i don't know how exactly accurate this was but based on everyone's you know how they're reacting uh it was the 15 minute mark so i'm very curious if that was sometimes there's a little bit of tv magic it is 24 hours but might not be the exact sequence uh, depending on the details. But I'm curious just how close to the end that was, because if it was 15 minutes, that's a lot worse than me. I think I was at hour four or five when I tripped on that cord. So that's even worse. <laughs> and it actually broke too. So yeesh, scary, very scary moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, um, you know, uh, it's like, it's like those, uh, you know, boxes you get shipped that says it, it takes two people to live this, lift this box. And I sort of felt like, you know, take the extra two seconds, lift it together, or like put it on one of those trays so you can support the weight. I'm like, like these Brookmasters, you can't get careless here at the end. You know, like this is, this is the, this is your chance. <laughs> exactly. Gotta be careful. Exactly. Well, our last team here was Nina and Sam and their build was all about this giant tree, this family tree about you know, their family working together and can, can um, to cultivate food with all the different branches with different vignettes. And, you know, Amy comes out and says, do you have any plans to tell uh, to tie your stories together? And, you know, obviously, like the story is the family, but obviously there's more to do it with a visually and all that sort of stuff. And I loved Nina's response. She was just like, that's an interesting idea. We'll have to think about how to integrate that into the tree, perhaps. Um, you know, like she like she has like the most like amazing, even keel, just like demeanor. I, I even felt that when I interviewed her preseason. Um, but, you know, like talking to the judges is a hard thing. But I feel like, you know, you can't phase Nina here. But um, but what did you think about Amy's feedback and ultimately what they decided to do? Yeah, I thought the reactions from the two different team members, Sam and Nina, was very interesting and really uh, shows how strong they are as a team, because Sam was when he's talking to them, he's like, oh, yeah, we're doing these different areas with our family and different scenes. And they're like, what are you going to do? He just was like, uh, <laughs> he had, it was like silence. He had no idea. Like there was just, you could see the gears turning in his head, trying to figure out a solution. And then Nina's like, we'll work on that. Yeah. She immediately was like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. And then like, right. As soon as the Brickmasters left, she just explained, why don't we do four seasons? And then boom, they're back on track. So it was like a really cool to see that steadying force of Nina help Sam get back 
from uh, literally uh, circuits frying in his brain, <laughs> trying to figure out what to, to do to connect all these stories. So it's a really cool moment. So watching watching Sam and Nina's teamwork throughout the show has just been like the most like it's hard to describe the feeling, wholesome, but maybe. it's so wholesome. It's so wonderful to see like whenever Sam starts to maybe get too ambitious, a lot of ambition in this season. So get a little too ambitious and <laughs> this starts to go down. Oh, let's do this. And he's there to kind of give him just a little gentle side eye. Like, okay, what are we going to do here? And <laughs> effortlessly get him back on track. So hats off to Nina and Sam, obviously. But yeah, Nina's got something special about that. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's wonderful to watch. Motherly wisdom. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Motherly wisdom. Yeah. That, that was I know. so It, it reminds me of last episode, like when she was like, well, we've spent three hours on the loop, so maybe we can move along and use the <laughs> pre-made loop, you know, it's like, uh, so she always just knows um, how to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that they this was a really good pivot. Um, one other funny uh, moment, it was sort of like a throwaway, but we hear, um, you know, we see Sam building one of his figures and he says, this is grandma. And Nina says, lower her legs a, a bit. She's so tiny. Um, and, or so she's tiny. And, and it was like one of those like hilarious little like throwaway lines, but little did we know that the twist, you know, stop the clock that they would be bringing in their families and she would be there to get to see, you know, her figure and her kitchen. And, you know, so, you know, why don't we talk a little bit then about the family visit as long as we're here, you know, so, uh, you know, this was really exciting to be able to like bring their family in and, you know, we see the, you know, Sam's grandmother, you know, um, Nina's mother, Rabindar, you know, he, Will asks, how proud are you? And, you know, she says, no limit. And, you know, it was just cool to get to like, to not only like show them, oh, this is the really cool build we did. Like, you know, as if you, you know, with your, unfortunately, your family couldn't be there, but you could be like, oh, this is our giant tree guy. You know, that's one thing. But it's like, no, this is you. This is our family and our story. I feel like that was really special. Um, but what did you think about all that? Yeah. So um, I think that it was really fortuitous that all three teams had some sort of family or, you know, like in, in the case of Christopher Robert, they had like a travel, but it was also, they did that with their family, right? So um, it's it's very family oriented for each build. And when their family walks on stage, that was a really impactful moment to literally see themselves sculpted out of Lego on the tree or in the house. And so it was really a, a really touching moment for sure. And then obviously um, Sam and Nina getting that no limits to how how proud she was of that. I mean, that's just really touching moment that that really feel good good vibes that you get from Lego Masters. And it's just a wonderful thing to see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is super sweet. And especially on this, uh, this season four, it was it was extremely nice to see Nina's mother as well. So it's like, holy cow, like how many generations do we have in one in one room at this time? It was it was pretty amazing to see that. Although I, I have to point out it, it is as sweet and as wholesome as it is. It can throw you off a little bit. Um, there's a lot of homesickness by week, I don't know, six, seven, eight. I don't know the filming schedule these days for the show, but the homesickness comes back in spades when you see all these family members and faces. So uh, it, it, it's it's wonderful, but you got to get back in the headspace when you're done. So that's that's one thing you have to consider. But it is extremely nice to see it. A little jealous of them also being able to see them in person versus just on a big screen across the room. Yeah, yeah. The, the Zoom call isn't quite as, quite as, they can't really give them a hug, can you? Yeah. <laughs> so, we had no. some COVID precautions back in yep. 2021, but thankfully they seem to have gotten past that for this season. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was great, you know, so um, Nina and Sam had, you know, like their grandmother, um, uh, we had Sam's wife, uh, Kiena, Paul and Nalita had their mom who was very, uh, 
who loved sort of uh, making fun of the fact that uh, they don't always get along. And, and they said, we now have semi-positive Paul on hand, um, as well as Paul's, I believe Paul's wife and two kids. Uh, we, you know, we didn't get all the names, uh, or at least maybe I didn't note them all. And then we see Christopher and Robert, um, you know, Christopher's dad, Michael and his mom were there. And Will asks, you know, did he show any villainous tendencies growing up? And uh, <laughs> and Christopher's dad, you know, didn't skip a beat. Oh, he did have a picture of him in front of this computer looking like he's about to hack into something. And we did get to see that picture. Um, but uh, I th just thought it was so funny because, you know, this, this has always felt to me like some character he was just doing for the show. But, you know, Christopher's dad did not seem surprised. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was that picture. Poor Christopher looked like some sort of like Dexter's laboratory villain of some sort or some sort of <laughs> a cartoon villain to the core. It was very no, like he knew exactly how to answer. You've been waiting years to answer that question. You can tell, <laughs> but oh my word, it was yeah. Oh, but uh, it's funny. I all during the show, you know, Christopher. He he's he has his YouTube channel. He's used to you know presenting himself a certain way. I'm like he must be kind of like leaning into this villain act, right? It's funny. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great <laughs> bit. Sure. And he's not you know clearly not really villainous when he gets back home with his family. No, he. From the get-go, this guy has clearly been a villain. It's all true. Now, <laughs> you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> I, I do think it's still a bit of an act, but it, yeah. but it's cute to see that uh, the dad was at least in on the joke. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, now, I have had the pleasure of meeting uh, Christopher in person uh, quite some time ago. And I can attest that he is not planning on world domination or world destruction. I promise he's uh, just a normal guy who absolutely loves Legos. So the, the villain arc really threw me off, especially early in the season. Um, I don't know if we were hyped up as a villainous team during our season or not, we but were, I didn't want to be. So we're ultra competitive, <laughs> we but maybe were, not villains. We were not competitive. Like, not like Christopher and Robert were set up to be. <laughs> but that was kind yeah. of a fear of mine. I don't want to be portrayed as some sort of, you know, diabolical builder. I just love this stuff. So, um, <laughs> but I know Christopher is a great guy. And if you ever meet him, you'll have a very pleasant experience. Yes, yes. Christopher is super sweet. I think the only the only thing I could think of that he would do against me would be try to beat me out for one of the deals at the yard sale at, uh, at the convention. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, all kidding aside. Yeah, he might cut you off in uh, a line at the yard sale, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then we also had Robert's mom, Winnie, um, and she said, I think I'm super excited he can make it into the finale, which is just so sweet. But then they also got one other surprise, which is that on top of everything else, the winning build will also be put on display at the Lego flagship store on Fifth Avenue in New York City. And this is really like one of the most like uh, built out. It was recently renovated, maybe in the last year or so. So, I mean, this is pretty exciting. Obviously, you're no stranger to having, you know, builds on display. But, you know, what's what do you think the difference is between what we've seen in the past, having your build at a Legoland versus having your build at the flagship store in New York City? Uh, both of these locations are very high traffic and a lot of Lego fans will be visiting them daily. So I think it's it's basically an equivalent, but just a different location. New York City, I mean, that store must see millions of people go through on the regular. And so that's a really cool location. I haven't been to the store myself, but I've seen pictures and it's amazing. You got these huge sculptures. It kind of feels like a Legoland based around yeah. a store, you know, it's just huge and amazing. So they should be really happy that their build is on such a prominent place. And uh, they, I think they'll be able to see it because I, I do see Christopher's 
Instagram and he's often traveling through New York to, to fly to different places. Like I think they were going to Billen not too long ago mm-hmm. <laughs> for something. And then, um, so they were stopping through New York and you could see their build. So that's pretty cool. We're also not too far away from our build in Florida. And some of the, some of the teams are able to see their builds at Legolands and wherever they may be displayed. So it's pretty cool. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's like, to your point, like, I think this just must be an insanely high trafficked store. I mean, like out of all the stores in the U S this one must be you know, maybe outside of the one in, you know, Disney World, probably, you know, at, at least up there in the top three most traffic stores in the world uh, for Lego. So I, I think that's it's pretty cool to see. Maybe it's because they had to move away from Legoland because they're, they're sick of having all your builds and you know, it takes up too much room and they just they needed to find another place. Now I'm just kidding. There um, are a lot of builds now at different various Legolands. Uh, all three of season two are in Florida, which we prefer because it's a lot closer than New York. That's yeah, fair. They're, they're all full up. You've got California, New York and Florida. They all have at least a couple builds on display now. So, I mean, there's not too much room. They got to start being creative with this. I think it's a good solution. Yes, exactly. Keep saving them though. Don't get rid of these now. Don't don't throw them in the bin. Keep no, these models, no. please. Yes, please keep them forever. And if you're going to get rid of them, just let you know dibs, dibs. Yeah. I'm calling <laughs> dibs now. We'll be right there. Yeah, call me, <laughs> call me, please. Call me. <laughs> um. Yes. So, and then the last thing with Sam and Nina before we finish their section was, um, you know the. We, the, the the passage of time here at the end of the episode was a little random, but we see, you know, like uh, they have they said they have one vignette built out of the five and there's 10 hours left. We got that as a clip. And then at five minutes left, like to your point, maybe it wasn't actually five minutes left. A figure falls off and Nina is able to catch it. And it, it just like tumbles end over end like nothing. She just catches it. And Sam's like, good catch. And that was just like epic like if nina wasn't delivering already all over this episode that that sealed the deal for me yeah nina saving the day with a literal you know uh hand of god save right there i mean that's <laughs> awesome that's fantastic and just an like, amazing moment to capture on camera because th- what are the odds i mean that's fantastic but i mean um one thing before we we move on from their build that tree was just massive i remember it was was sam on a ladder or a stool at the time when he's like reaching up high i don't even remember the shot now but um it, it's like I could see that dropping that far from the top of the tree would be, you know, that that piece, that figure would be shattered to pieces and be underneath the table all over the room. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to find it. So good catch. So. Yeah, yeah, every second counts. So Nina coming in clutch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, to your point, that tree and, you know, Sam and Nina are fast builders and he, you know, like he was able to make that octagonal technic structure you know, like it was nothing, you know, I mean, like, I don't know how they're able to throw those builds up together, but it's nice that we got a lot of good shots of it during the build phase. Um, And I I mean, it was just, it was really massive. We'll get into it in the judging, but it was taller than Nina. It was taller than Sam. I mean, that, that was a crazy tree, but why don't we hop into the judging then? So we see, you know, we'll kick off the judging. And as the animation of the background fades away, we see our final three builds on these golden podiums. And I don't know. I'm always a sucker for the animation, um, but uh, <laughs> but it's always just so cool. But why don't we jump into the judging? And the first one up is Nina and Sam in the order that they went in on the show. Their build was the family tree of seasons. And there was just an immense amount in this build. But let's talk through their story a little bit. Um, he, you know, Sam says in the first diorama at the base of the tree is winter. It's a scene of my grandmother's kitchen. In the scene is my mom in red, my grandma in blue, and myself as a boy in yellow. From winter, we move into spring. There's a garden party being thrown at my mom's place. Moving on from there, we've got my garden in the summertime, harvesting what we, ne- we what we are now growing. In the next diorama, fall, that's my mom's current balcony garden. 
The build culminates at the top. We are all reunited and a bunch of friends and family all sitting around having a meal. So they were really able to pack in just so many story elements. But even my notes on this is like my notes section is so long because there were so many elements to this build. But, you know, uh, Stephen, why don't we kick it off with you? What was your takeaway from this build? Well, I wasn't surprised by the height based on what they've been able to do in much less time. <laughs> um, I'm looking at that uh, cuckoo clock they built for yep. the sound challenge. I was very impressed with that. Um, it's a good idea to have a, a linear structure, um, something like that. Um, you can, it's, it's a, a tree is a nice palette. You can apply stories to the side. You can, um, it, it reminded me a little bit of the, the tree in the Lego house, how each mm -hmm. branch is a theme. You have a castle tree, you have a, this tree. Um, I noticed that <clears throat> for the majority of these builds, uh, family themes were extremely, uh, they, they were very prevalent. It's good to see Sam and Nina, and we mentioned it a little bit, a little bit ago, uh, they want to do something a little bit more unique with their their family story thing. It's interesting to put your family in the model, but what's your family doing? So it was cool to see the seasons. I think that was a really smart addition. Um, and it added some more color and layers and everything. Um, certainly a large model. Now, I, I don't know um, how their scheduling worked out for them. I, I don't know um, uh, how far they, they took a lot of their details that they wanted. Um, the Trump was... Maybe could have used a little bit more going on, but it was a gigantic. Imagine taking that circle and then rolling it out flat. That you're talking something almost as big as their rug now. Plus, they have <laughs> to build all these characters along with it. Like it's almost the same size. So it's it, it was really cool to see them pull it off. I did love it though. I'm a sucker for trees, and this is one of the one of the great trees of of all the seasons now. So I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got you know, winter was with the white leaves, spring with the lime leaves, summer with the green, and then of course um, fall with kind of that flame yellowish orange. And I liked how even some of the foliage that sort of was on the tree trunk sort of accentuated in those same colors, you know, so to your point, it really did draw the eye. But I think I get what you're saying, which is that maybe those um, those leaves ended up feeling a little small because their tree was the trunk was just so big. And so maybe like from a as you take that step back, it, you know, it doesn't have the visual presence that maybe you want those things to do just to really like accentuate them in the right way. But the only other thing that I was thinking about, you know, so Mark, I'm curious to get your feedback on this was it sort of reminded me of Zach and Wayne's build from your season. You know, it was like a tall cylindrical tower with scenes of their family at multiple levels. I mean, I don't know, maybe that was just me, but it sort of had a Zach and Wayne vibe. Yes, I would say from like a layout perspective, especially from a distance, I think that, you know, the tall cylinder shape is definitely um, bringing back memories of Zach and Wayne's uh, Pagoda yeah. of Our Lives build. That was uh, a similar concept in many levels. However, I think uh, Sam and Nina were able to have a few improvements as far as layout in the fact that their scenes are on the outside versus on the inside. Yeah. So therefore, immediately easier to visualize. Um, it's also worth noting that I, uh, you know, throughout the season, Sam and Nina have had some really advanced technical structures, like. Um, their things are overbuilt and at the same time they're <laughs> gigantic so it's like you can see a lot of technique you see a lot of techniques and uh, the, the studs on the tree are on the outside all the way around a cylinder shape and if you think about that that's an extremely complicated feat for lego bricks because you can do studs on the outside which is fine if you're doing like a square shape but once you make that rounded that becomes a, a nightmare of mathematics so it's 
a very, very cool build in as far as the technical and the presentation. I think that all was very well aligned. Yeah, I, I almost wasn't gonna gonna uh, bring this up specifically, but uh, I for a brief moment, just for a brief moment, it did almost almost feel like with Sam and Nina's wonderful tree, uh, almost a bit like um, Pagoda or Story of Our Lives, Zach and Wayne's build, almost a little mixed with the Warden of the Woods. Like what would happen if you combined <laughs> the first and second place of season two? What would it look like? The, the what if, Marvel what if, you know? Yeah. What if they were combined? This is what you would get. And it was kind of cool to see because those the characters even reminded me a little bit of Zach and Wayne's scale. Their, their action figures, which were just so cool all throughout their models, which were wonderful. Uh, they were not too different from the mini land scale of sand. So I'm like, this is cool. And my imagination was just going crazy. Like, this yeah, reminds me of this. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome treat. Well, and like, you know, the just the volume of like figure work that they were able to do was really immense. So on the winter one, there was a full kitchen with cabinets, a stove, an oven, fridge, sink and counter, tables and chairs with plates and foods. There was three figures. There was that motorized element behind the stove, which maybe was like the heat or the smoke going up, um, you know, or like aromas coming out of the dishes. I also sort of felt like it looked like flying bacon in a fun way. Um, on, the, on the spring one, that garden party, there was a picnic table with a checkered cloth, food on top. In this one, there was four figures and one of them had like the feet dangling off of it. And in this one, I remember like the clothes were so detailed. One had a baseball hat. Another one had like a striped undershirt with like a with a button up over it. And you could tell even at that scale. And one of the figures was motorized, kind of rotating back and forth using that garden tool in the garden and the plants. And then for summer, there's a patio, there's pillars, there's string lights, a fence, multiple garden boxes, plants, again, two figures. And then for fall, there's that balcony, the figure of Nina, the table of food, two potted plants, the whole glass wall. And then finally at the top, that gathering had another seven figures. I mean, this was like, you know, the volume of work and sorry for me going on and droning, but like the volume of work was like really immense, especially considering really how much time was sunk into that tree. I, I almost can't believe that they were able to get that all done. Yes, the the sheer volume of bricks put together is just kind of mind-blowing, especially having gone through a similar experience a few years ago. It's like uh, that tree is taller than they are, and then they're also having these four very detailed scenes on different platforms suspended, I will say, outside yeah. of the cylinder. So <laughs> there's just so many layers to this. Very, very complicated uh, construction for sure. Yeah, the details absolutely just devour the clock. Like they just absolutely tear into your time. So it was really cool to see how much they could just jam into this tree. On every branch, you have to think about weight, you have to think about um, time saving, colors, all this other crazy stuff. And yeah, like drone away, sir, because there's a lot of details to talk about and they're <laughs> worth mentioning because they were all really good. Uh, this was this was definitely a very phenomenal build. So. Yes. Um, you know, the one kind of thing that stood out to me from the judging feedback was that we did see a piece of criticism. Um, a lot of times I feel like in this final episode, maybe there is always the good and the bad like there is every episode and they just decide what they show. But they but it was it was sort of surprising because I feel like in other shows like um, like on MasterChef or whatever it is and they're doing their final meal everything is great. You know, the judges are like, this was delicious. That was delicious. And it's not just because they're all perfectly good chefs, but it almost feels like they're being extra nice for the finale. But we did see that feedback from um, Amy where she says, you know, but I think if you had just given those four seasons and four colors, more of those colors to help frame the scenes even more, I think it would have been more impactful because 
it, it's these stories in the leaves that really make me excited about how this could be interpreted into a Lego set. So it was it was a, an interesting piece of feedback to sort of get here at the finale. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, for all the seasons, um, I know everyone pays attention, but I'm always laser focused on Amy and Jamie whenever they're giving criticisms or praise because I know there's a lot I'm missing. But for our finale specifically, I remember um, they didn't give us any, nobody got criticism. Well, there was, so um, I remember very distinctly, oh, there was um, there's always usually at least one sentence is like, oh, you could have done this, but and then they have a whole a long dialogue sure. of how good it was. So it's like, you might get one thing. I know that our build, they didn't say anything because I was waiting for one thing that they could say wrong about it. And they, they just neglected mm -hmm. to say anything, even if they know something. But they had like one thing for Zach and Wayne, one thing for Caleb Jacob. And so for this season, if they're following that same system that they were a few years ago, there could have been that one criticism from Amy or Jamie on mm. the build. And they, if they, the edit decides to include that, then you have uh, a seemingly skewed, you could have a skewed perspective of how much critique is being given versus how much praise. So it mm. depends on, you know, a whole variety of factors. I'm sure the producers have a say in how much, you know, of what, what direction to go in. So it's 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 kind of like how is the story woven for us as a, in a presentable manner? But um, yeah, I, I have noticed though there is the the criticism is definitely kept to an extreme minimum, especially yeah. in the final cut. Um, there's in most of the seasons they don't hardly say anything negative. I mean, at this point, it's the finale. There's nothing past this, so you might yeah. as well praise what you like about it. I'm sure it's a relief for Amy and Jamie not to have <laughs> to be too critical um, yeah. of a model. They probably love all of them. So. Sure. Yeah, there there is that. Yeah. But it really was so nice to like see their culture and their family highlighted in this way. I mean, Nina and Sam are such exceptional builders. And this was like such a more like nuanced story that like really just comes from their unique family experience. So I feel like very like it was very generous of them to share that with us here at home, like to let us in on their experience. So that was really exciting to see. But why don't we move on to Paul and Nalita's story? Uh, or sorry, build, but it was a very story heavy build as well. So this was the Christmas Eve on a cliff, um, very precarious Christmas Eve, if you will. Um, but the story we got here was just so many of the moments. So, you know, they talked about, you know, some of the scenes are outside where they're usually having a snowball fight inside. They've got the grandmother and the, and the mom cooking and the mom always burns something. So there's a little smoke coming from the oven in the living room. The kids are looking at the presents because they always wanted to sneak a, a gift as kids. Uh, and then also some, this was a, like a sad one. Some, and always someone gets in trouble. So we have someone in the little timeout corner just looking sad. Um, and we do also have a sled um, as the mom's house was on a hill. And so in the backyard, they used to go sledding down there a lot. So just tons of family moments packed into this build. But Mark, we'll kick off with you for this one. What was your takeaway seeing Paul and Alita's final build? So the first thing that really struck me while watching the build process was you got a very large gray mountain and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I think they would have benefited from having a little more white on top of it for some more snow to represent that sledding. But that's just a color choice. But once he got into the build process, this huge blue building appears and that's yeah. really a dynamic special looking architectural piece um they showed a few images from some of the stuff that paul does i don't even think it was lego i think it was kind of like either paper or wood or some other texture that he was working with to kind of create some very frank lloyd wright style stuff 
And it was it was very you know intriguing, almost like wow, that's very different from almost anything we've seen on Lego Master as far as kind of like high end architecture style. So it's really cool to see that take from them and see that kind of that side of Paul we might not have seen while they're building you know these larger than life race cars or off roaders, you know, it's like <laughs> all these random things that they might not normally do at home, but you get a little glimpse into what they really like. That was really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I have to say, um, uh, after a roller coaster challenge like that, I know I would have personally stayed well away from roller coasters after uh, the previous <laughs> episode. So kudos to them for going in like, hey, we just did. Ro- let's put in another roller coaster. I, I have would a not sled. Have, yeah. Let's make it a sled. I, I wouldn't have done that. I'd be like, yo, I'm done with roller coasters. That probably would have been more than I could have handled. So kudos to them for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this build was, you know, was definitely unique. And to your point earlier, Mark, about the Gray Hill, it did remind me of season one with Boone and Mark, where, you know, they talked about the gray parking lot um, that they had built um, with this giant gray road. And we know that Amy especially wants to see the color, wants to see the variation. And so I I do think that that was, uh, you know, something I had noted as well. The shaping was really exceptional. I mean, like it was, it was very well constructed. To your point, I think that either a little bit more snow or even if they had like five or six of those gorgeous white trees that Paul had built. I mean, that would have also helped break it up and add even more of that atmosphere in a really fun way. Um, But yeah, that was a really fun one. But, you know, Stephen, what was your takeaway just of the build and the stories within? Oh, it was a really fun build. It It was full of nostalgia. It had quite a lot of details. And I have to give some more kudos. They said 360. So theoretically, the house would have supposed to have all these walls. But it was 360 in the sense that the part of it was open. So you can see all that's going on inside, not just outside. So it was a nice balance between the prompt and what they wanted to do. I thought that was a nice, nice little touch there. Um, I did like that uh, snowy tree. I wish I could have seen a few more of them. Um, definitely one of my favorite details um, in most of the finale. Honestly, I'm a sucker for trees, like I said. Um, <laughs> but honestly, it was a super fun build. Very, very nostalgic for and really did embrace the home warmth and familiness of it. So they wanted to show family. And I think they definitely accomplished that. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that stood out to me um, was actually the feedback Jamie gave during the build phase. So I purposefully skipped it in case we were going to cover it here. But Jamie says, remember, it's the holidays. That's the chance to decorate everything, which means you need to leave time for that detailing. It might be the details that bring you to the top. And I feel like that was maybe the piece for me that I really wish I could have seen more of. Like, you know, I imagine, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, I think about like even like the Home Alone set uh, that, you know, that Lego has, uh, you know, like that house has has lights all over it. There's the Christmas tree. There's all this decor. Um, you know, there's like um, like I sort of feel like it should be the greatest expression of Christmas in terms of the decor. And while there were moments of it, like there was um, in the uh, dining room area, there was like a wreath on the wall in the living room. There was the Christmas tree. I wanted to feel like this was like the Hallmark Christmas house that you see in the Hallmark movies where like every inch is decked out in nutcrackers and garland and all this sort of stuff. And I feel like that, listen, I'm sure it was a time thing. I'm sure they thought that too. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're smart enough to come up with those ideas as well. But I feel like that was sort of the piece that I think would have really amped it up to the next level. Yeah, so to g- give a little context for it, it really must have been a time thing because we've seen Paul and Alita do some details on various builds throughout the competition. But totally, some of the specific reasons for that is, it's again, that landscape. And the shape was great. And maybe there was some color choices that could have been made to brighten it up for Amy a little bit. At the same time, it's just like, 
It's, it, this is some of the critiques I had with season three's final builds. You had Steven and Steven with their beautiful mountain range, and then you had Dave and Emily with their big city. There's a lot of volume that's underneath that subject. And so, you know, you definitely do want to have that cliff for that story of sledding, but you also want to make sure that you're not putting a lot of bricks and also an entire roller coaster hidden within that mountain when you need to spend a lot of time, you know, decorating the inside of that house, all the anything on the outside of the house. It was it was a beautiful blue house, but it could have had some, like you said, Christmas lights, wreaths, candles, anything, uh, another couple of trees. So there's a lot of because they invested so much in the functionality, they lost a little bit of the flair, I think. But yeah, it's it's a tough decision to make when you got 24 hours and you're not sure exactly how it's all going to pan out in that build time. So. Not to mention it's the largest scale uh, for characters we've seen in the finale period. So yeah. it's, that's another thing um, that that definitely makes the pay the workload um, a lot higher. So it was a big yeah. house, much bigger than minifigures would normally occupy. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. For sure. No, it's bigger very true. Scale. And we see a lot in there, you know, there's the kitchen with the checkered tile, there's a fridge freezer with the drawer pulled out, um, cabinets, the stove, the smoke in the kitchen, there's two figures in the dining room, there's like four figures, the table and the chairs in the living room, there's the, you know, the tree and the presence, then there's five figures, at least that I was able to count. So there really, there was a large volume of work, but I don't think it was like up to the detail level that I'm sure they wanted to be able to put in just knowing about the time. And so it is an interesting like nugget what you're getting at mark which is sort of like if you have 24 hours try to put as many of those hours into the highest impact elements of your build you know like i think if they would have had the giant house just as giant and had no mountain and so it wasn't on a cliff maybe they would lose a little bit on the technical because it wouldn't have had the cool structure to be able to balance it at that angle or whatever it might be but the decor the story the theming you know all that has chances to go up so i don't know it's always a risk and reward you know you, you do more on the left you forget more on the right you know so it's it's tough but but i think to your point like the less you're you know and and this is really like sam and nina in their volcano they spent so much time building that mountain that then their functions just didn't have the chance to sing and i feel like at least a little bit of that lesson could probably be applied here um but doesn't mean it wasn't a ton of fun. Yeah. One final note is if you're building a mountain for your main subject to be on, you shouldn't even see the mountain. You shouldn't even know that it's like notice it's there. It should be the last thing you're thinking of because it's like um, like you're saying, the, vo the volcano. Like if, if you're looking at the actual shape of the volcano mountain behind it, you're missing the beautiful Egypt temple that Ben and Poppy were able to make. You know, it's like so you need to kind of focus on what is the story and then that the, the mountain is a uh, a pedestal for the thing to be on. So make sure yeah. that that isn't taking too much of your time so that your main subject is, you know, drawn away from that. So Yeah, I definitely want to point out Mark was the guy who built our uh, mountain that the warden would sit on. So it's very near and dear to your heart, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, that was that was the whole thing you needed to do was the waterfalls and the the foliage and the landscape and all the colors and everything for that. You build the landscape so that you don't notice the landscape is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, it's it's a good point, yeah, though. Much. You know, like it's it, it is it is the stage in which the story is set, but it's not. But nobody's looking at the stage. You know, they're looking at the other elements. It's really just to lift it up both literally and and uh, metaphorically. But um, but this was a really fun one. I, I know had they had more time that they would have been able to even like take it that much higher, which is why, listen, we have, we have to nitpick. That's what the podcast is about. Okay. Absolutely. Um, That's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's why we're here. <laughs> I know we, we get to be the Monday morning quarterbacks and it's, and it's never fully fair, but um, no, but it was very cool. Um, you know, they were able to, you know, pack in that, that motion with the, with the sledding, you know, down the hill to your point, Mark, it's a little hidden. Like it would have been really nice to see it sort of sitting up above the hill just so that we could really 
be able to enjoy it in that sort of way. But then it, you wouldn't be able to conceal the roller coaster as well. So it's, it, you know, there's always sacrifices with every choice you make. For sure. Absolutely. And not to take away from a really excellent build, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this team has just like gone up and up and up as as the uh, competition has gone on. And like the just the volume of work again here was was really immense. Like, and it was really exciting to see them in this final build. So why don't we move on then to the last one, which is Christopher and Robert. Their build was the World Wonderliner. And of course, you, you, you know the story had to be at least starting with Christopher. He says, this is the World Wonderliner, a, gr- a gargantuan eight foot by eight foot plane with moving beds soaring through a fluffy pink dreamscape and rainbow bridges connecting three core icons of our most formative travel experiences. The first icon right here is a Kenyan baobab tree. It's a representation that I went on a yearly ser- on yearly service trips to Nairobi to teach computer lessons and Lego classes to kids there. The second icon is the Forbidden City, which represent which is a representation of my roots in China and my parents' immigration over here, Robert said. And then finally, our most important icon here is the place that unites us both, the Colosseum. Several years ago, we went on a cruise around Italy, and it was our first travel vacation together. So you know, a lot again, jam packed into this one. But Stephen, we'll kick it off with you. What was your thoughts on the World Wonderliner? Well, if any, if there was a theme for this uh, finale, it would be volume. Okay, because that's (laughs) been the running theme. We must have said it 100 times this episode. But yeah, if our prompt was lights, day and night. Yeah, this is their prompt was volume. Like, let's see some volume, (laughs) guys. And holy cow, they built the biggest model Lego Masters, I think, ever. So congrats to them. I, I don't think there's an Australia one that's bigger, to my knowledge. I don't, I'm sure there's not a US one bigger. A, a completed build in Lego Masters. Oh, that's so true. Some, some oh, builds yeah, might have true. attempted to get this That's big. true. That's true. I, I should keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, there's a couple that have attempted, but a completed build, this is the largest by far. Um, great color scheme. I love the blue and the white and the dark blue and the rainbow visor was a nice touch. Definitely yeah. had a little pop there as well um i like the word art i love i love the word art for it um i also like that it was a family theme build but it wasn't just a family theme build we had um uh, like traveling as well we had the the what was it the, the little conveyor belts essentially with the beds they were almost like dreaming about it like reminiscing yeah. on their travels a bit so that was all very uh very charming a nice little element lots of elements Maybe not quite as many details as Sam and Nina, as far as how yeah. many characters were going on, a number of characters and so on and so forth. But they certainly got the point across with what was going on. You could tell pretty quickly without too much explanation what in the world was going on with this colossal airplane. So I was very impressed. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the scale was just unbelievable. I mean, I think you know, we saw some very unique angles from the camera team to be able to shoot this, um, you know, especially like the overhead angle was maybe one of my most like uh, I, I remember pausing it and being like, this is the angle. And so that's where I took a lot of my notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so impressive. The shaping was very good. I think the the rear something about the rear tail was maybe a little oversized in my in my brain when I'm looking at the proportions uh, and it had like the three Z's on the tail. But I really loved the shaping of the cone uh, of the cockpit area of the plane. You know, doing a conical shape out of multiple Lego bricks is not an easy thing to do. So the fact that they're sort of like we talked about, like their mountain wasn't a gray mountain. It was this enormous white, blue and dark blue plane. So, you know, it was at least a you know, if it had to be a big something, it was a colorful, unique shaped something that really propped up the rest of their build. But Mark, what was your thoughts? 
Yeah, um, a very, very technically impressive build. I mean, you, you think about, you know, the, the giant house off the cliff, you got the giant tree, then you have this giant plane that the fact that it, it it's exists in the, you know, with gravity and oxygen and it stays together <laughs> is really impressive because this is a very complicated shape to build. Uh, the nose of the plane, like you mentioned, Michael, is really that you got all these different studs and on top angles. That point is very complicated to make. Me and Steven spent many days working on similar shapes for projects like this. And the giant wings to keep them from warping completely flat on, you know, on the sides is very difficult. That's another technical accomplishment there. You got motion inside of it. And then you got these builds suspended on top, seemingly effortlessly. But, you know, that's a difficult angle to just prop up a small build like that. So a lot going on there, of course. With a build this size, and even with that 24 hours, there's going to be some details or some seams that don't quite fit, kind of like the Tesla Cybertruck doesn't seem to have all the metal seams fit because it's a <laughs> rapid production. It's like it's like this, this plane has clearly, you know, weathered the storm a few times, maybe. But um, it, it, and like like you said, the, the tail fin is a little bit, maybe just a tiny bit disjointed. They were trying to get those big Zs. I think that was the focus for the tail fin. And then the exterior edge was like just rounded off as best we can or cut that edge <laughs> so we have time to put it on. Um, but the fact that they accomplished this and they actually finished it to the point where they were happy with it and were able to present it, it's very, very impressive. So great job to both of them on this final build. Yeah. Well, and, the, and to your point, like the wings held up, like even though they were definitely sagging, they were not broken. They were not, you know, like th they were there, you know, and they were they were standing strong. Um, you could tell that there was some tiling detail on the wings that they had started right at the end, according to the edit, at least. And we and we know that if they had more time, those would have been like dots mosaiced up and it would have been like glorious and colorful. Um, so to, to your point, you can see a lot of like the nuggets of plans that weren't fully realized. But, you know, one other quick thing <laughs> when they were putting it together, the section with the three um, the three vignettes was its own build and they sort of slotted it in into like the little like empty like middle of the plane at one point and I, the fact that even it it could withstand that i was pretty impressed with frankly um that was pretty pretty cool and we know how the wings were attached which was that they were one giant piece all the way across so the fact that they had room for their mechanisms was also a kind of impressive um you know so there was a lot of those like little nuggets whether it was luck or design that really came together for them and, you know, I really enjoyed kind of this trip around the world, you know, to get flavors of Africa, of Italy, of China. You know, I think that that was a really fun story to tell um, and to show just representation of lots of different cultures was was another exciting thing. Mm -hmm. um, one thing, yeah, about about those uh, little top build, uh, the builds on the top locations. Yeah, those little locations. Um, it's nice because even if you haven't really been there. And if you haven't had those wonderful experiences like Christopher or or Robert would have with like China or whatever, um, even if you didn't have those those experience, you know what a journey kind of feels like. You know what it feels like to go to these new places and have these amazing experiences. So the theme not only was very personal, but it also carried over pretty well. If you use a little imagination, you can kind of see yourself. Where would I go if I was on this crazy plane with all this stuff popping out of it? Yeah. You know, what, what would that story be like? So there was an accessibility to it that I thought was very smart. Also, the modularity with the chunks being built one at a time, whether it's the wings, the fuselage, the, the motorized parts. Smart usage of time. Really good, good work there. <laughs> I also, a plane's a really good choice, honestly, now that I think about it, because it's, it's a large surface area. It's a large area, but it's a very efficient shape, right? It's meant to be light. It's meant to be inexpensive. It's meant to be like, 
Aerodynamic. Um, very, very aerodynamic. So it's a large cylinder with a set of wings. That's most of what you got going on. So honestly, you can you can do a lot with a shape that's uh, that works so well. Like yeah. And actually, now that I look back at the at my notes, there were minifigures in those little beds, but to your, but those were the only minifigures I think right, in any of the were. builds. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, I was just looking back at my notes. But yeah, I mean, this one was really like an imaginative model, and I think to your point, like the plane. Like when you see a plane flying in the sky, you sort of have that you, you sort of dream like in this thing, where are they going? What are they going to do when they get there? And I feel like that's like when Amy talks about uh, she says, you know, Christopher and Robert, not only have you gone big, but you've also pushed the imagination and creativity into a really different space. Um, and, and, I, and I think that maybe that's part of it is this like, you know, travel and, and all the cultures of the world and just sort of the plane as the icon of that it is sort of imaginative and inspirational about like it inspires those stories. And to your point for you to put yourself in, well, I imagine that plane's going to, you know, to Tokyo and I would love to go to Tokyo and, you know, whatever it might be. Like, I think, I think there's a piece of that in this, you know, wonder liner that, you know, that we can put ourselves in, which I really enjoy. Well, that takes us to the end of the judging phase. So of course we have to talk about how this challenge turned out and, you know, there's no top two and bottom two. There's not even enough people um, to do that. And so mm-hmm. they go through and they just give you the places. And so, the you know, we start off with our third place team in this case, which was Paul and Nilita. And, you know, Paul says, I'm really proud of how, how far I've come and we've come as a team. I could have not I could not have asked for a better partner than my sister. And Nilita, <laughs> in her classic way, just say it one more time. Uh, and Paul's like, no, um, they, they just, they have like that, like amazing banter. And, and it almost feels like Neilita brings out the best in Paul, which I really enjoyed, but, you know, final thoughts from the two of you, you know, we'll start with you, Mark. Like what were your, what, what are your thoughts? Like, as we say, sort of like, um, not necessarily goodbye, cause we're not sending them home in this challenge, like in, with other ones, but like, you know, what, what's our sort of like final thoughts on Paul and Nilita as a team here you know, really triumphing here with third place. Yeah, recapping Paul and Alita's journey through Lego Masters is, it's it's a really good one because they started out, I think, in that safe middle ground and because of the time constraints, you don't see them that much for the first few episodes. They're like, hey, good job, you, you did fine, you're not not in any danger. But then once that they started building like that telescope, a couple of those other really eye-catching builds, the bag, that you know, they, they they turned it up to eleven. They were able to really show that they they just they belong here, they deserve to be here, and they all the way to the finale. Super impressive, really exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, t- t- what you mentioned, Michael. Um, Paul is a, a, a you know clearly a great Lego builder, but he can be a little matter of fact from just watching the show. And I've had <laughs> the chance to meet and talk with Paul. He's a great guy, but yeah, he, he's 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 you know he's focused. He's really got a, a, a project in mind at all times, I'm sure. And so. Alita, I think, really brought that little, if you can get Paul to smile, you're doing great. You know, like, <laughs> get him out of his shell a little bit. I think that's that's exactly why they make a good team. And uh, they should be super proud of all their accomplishments on the season. They did a really great job. Yeah, I mean, and thanks for that recap, Mark. Because, like, there was one point I remember, like, in episode, I forget it was, like, three or four, where they got the feedback that sort of was like, you're in the middle. Like, like, like the judges, like, sort of told them that and, and said, it's going to take this or this to actually, like, push you into the top of the competition. And some teams can't turn it up that notch, but this team definitely could. Um, but Stephen, what are your final thoughts on them? So the contrast between these two is definitely uh, very entertaining to watch. Um, <laughs> Melita's all 
she's all bubbly and energy and energy and um, yeah. um, extrovertism, I think, and spunk and excitement. And Paul's quietly sitting there, you know, like laser focused. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's a very fun dynamic. Um, you know, you can't help but smile. So yeah, they I I think this was a case of um they they had smooth sailing, you know, for the first uh, for a good part of the the show. And I think it after once I got to the middle, I started to figure out the show. They started to yeah. figure out what works. They never seemed to be short on time. Um, they really uh, understood a lot of the prompts pretty well, um, especially um, I, I really did like their telescope and I did like their purse quite a lot as well, especially yeah. near the end. It, uh, momentum is really powerful in, in, in any of the seasons. Momentum is really yeah. strong. You can lose it. It can take you over the finish line really hard, really well. So I think they 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 had a slow like a like a moderate start and then it starts to climb like like stock investment you know you start yeah. a little smaller it goes a little higher at the end you know a bit like that so I think it took a little bit of time let's just figure out this show and we're we're gonna play it cool and calculated and uh, it, it was it was I don't know if that was a deliberate strategy but it's it paid them off it got them to the end yeah I mean and by the end like you know I remarked in the roller coaster challenge how when Paul was able to look around the room and sort of realize you know, maybe I'm putting this too bluntly, but like, if we don't do something, we're going to go home. You know, he, he had enough of like a game sense. Like, I think we forget about the fact that this is a game and there's a way to play it. And he had enough of that game sense that had been honed in after all this time that he was able to, to make, you know, take a risk and get himself to the, you know, get him and uh, Nilita, they, you know, them together, they got to the finale. It was because of them picking those things up and Neolita literally picking Paul up. You know, I think like, you know, we know how hard it is towards the end of the competition. So having that positive force, you know, is invaluable. And so this was really that magic camp combination that took them here to the end. So congratulations to Paul and Neolita. Like third place doesn't, you're, you're no slouch in this, in this show. I mean, this was an incredibly competitive season. So just immense congratulations here. But of course, we have to talk then about our final two. We've got Nina and Sam and Christopher and Robert. And just like in, you know, Miss America or any other show, they, they don't announce second. They announce first. Um, and so our first place winners here were Christopher and Robert. And the reactions here were just unbelievable. You know, Christopher, you know, is just like, oh, my goodness, I've spent my entire life loving Lego. And then now we're not just here on Lego Masters. We are Lego Masters. And like this was like, I, I, I'm not sure we've had a more like, um, just like emotive, you know, you know, reaction to winning as with Christopher and Robert. But, you know, you know what it's like to win. You know, what was your thoughts about this team winning? When you see Christopher and Robert, their reaction, it, it's it's you don't even know how you're going to react to that kind of news. <laughs> it's, it's such a, a powerful moment after, you know, weeks and weeks of building exhaustion, fatigue. And then it was visceral and electric to see Christopher just <laughs> fall to his knees, uh, overcome with joy and excitement. And uh, what's what's so fun is that, you know, they they've they really they, they didn't they came in saying, yeah, we really don't build a lot of mocks, but we just love Lego so much that we're here. And to go all the way from that starting point to like literally building the, the winning build on Lego Masters, that's a really cool story. And I love how Christopher was, I'm I'm thinking he was the most excited about having the chance to have a set with his design yeah. and his, his love and care poured into it more than anything else. He wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't even the, the Lego Masters title, the, the prize money, all that yeah, stuff was <laughs> inconsequential to the fact that he, he would be able to have 
a, a very personal stake in his his lifelong obsession, which is all the Lego lore. Yeah. And sets. So, and yeah. Then, well, he uh, says Robert, even on the show, he says this is probably the most momentous theme thing that has happened to me in my life so far. It's not the title. It's not the money. It's the set. It's getting the the Lego set made off of our build. Uh, that is unbelievable. And I mean, he has like that this giddiness that like you know villainy aside, we can put that aside here in this final moment because you. When you see someone excited, you want to be excited. You want to be part of that. And I sort of felt that when I was watching him be so giddy, because I imagine that's how I would feel. And listen, like I'm talking to two unbelievable Lego builders and I'm just some schmo that likes to build Lego. (laughs) But, you know, but I but I feel like, you know, for me, you know, the average Joe seeing Christopher and Robert win is very inspirational for me because, you know, everyone. A lot of you all, when we talk, especially when we're we're off the podcast, you're like, oh, when are you going to go on? You should go on. You love the show. You should go on. And yeah. I'm like, I don't I don't think I could do it. You know, I'm not I'm not a good enough builder. And maybe I'm selling myself short that, you know, having all this love for Lego and building so many sets and all this sort of stuff really can take you quite far, especially when you've got the creativity and enthusiasm that Christopher and Robert have. But, you know, Stephen, what was your takeaway? So, I mean, it's the it's it's the final name, you know, Christopher and Robert. It's there are those weeks. I'm not exaggerating. Those weeks feel like months when you leave <laughs> Lego Masters. We had one of the shortest film times and it felt like months. You don't know what month it is when you leave. You really don't. <laughs> you don't know what planet you're you on. You don't know what day of the month it is. You don't know what, you barely remember what year it was. And to have all that uncertainty, all that 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 um, that ambition paying off, all of the anxiety, all the cameras, all the makeup on your face, all of that finally pays off. Like Robert summed it up perfectly. All he said was, dude, like what <laughs> else are you going to say? Like literally, dude, that's all you can say. And uh, proceeded immediately by going and like literally bawling his eyes out on his mom's shoulder immediately after that. Like, I mean, yeah, Robert, honestly, the man of the fewest words, I think summed it up perfectly. And Christopher, he there, I don't know if there's much in the world, not very much in the world he loves more than Lego sets. Yeah. Like that's his passion. That is his yeah. bread and butter. That is his the that is his like his first love, essentially. <laughs> he goes <laughs> crazy over those things. He's made his whole livelihood off of them. And now he's a part of Lego history forever. I can't imagine like well, I can have a slight imagination on how that feels. It's 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 like nothing you could ever. It's literally, dude, that's all you can say. Yeah, dude. yeah. Well, and to your point, like Robert, you know, I I, I always I pa- watching the show with me is really terrible because I pause every 10 seconds to take notes. I have the subtitles on so I can get the quotes like I, I'm no fun to watch with. And so like I paused it like right when I saw Robert on his mom's shoulder. I'm like, oh, my God, is he crying? Um, Because it was just oh, like he was crying. It, it was so genuine. And, you know, Robert, we hear him say, you know, I rarely cry, but I think to win in front of my mom. It just means the world to me because she's been so supportive throughout this entire process. And it means so much to me that she's here right now. And, you know, we talked about that. Like they weren't just there for like the family segment. They got to be there to see them be crowned. And like, I think like this is the reality of reality TV that we love so much. Like we, it's not that I want to see you all cry. I I don't have some sort of like masochistic, you know, feeling like I, (laughs) I, you know, punish them and make them cry on TV. But it, when you get to see just like that catharsis and the, that connection, you know, between Robert and his mom. I mean, it's touching. It's really touching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to see that, that have the family in the room at that moment is really cool. And one side note is as soon as the, the confetti goes flying and the sparklers go off, 
Sam runs right over and gives him a bear hug. And yeah. I thought that was a super cool moment. I, I just want to point out, I don't know if it's in your notes, it probably is, but that, that <laughs> was really impactful to me to see that, like, it, Sam wasn't even that worried. He's like, oh, these guys are having the time of their lives. Like, he, just, he was so happy for him and excited for them, even in that moment when you could be feeling, oh, no, I didn't quite make it. Uh, it was really special, just that that kind of team and family and kindness and just really good vibes. Such a, such a great Yeah. It's nice to see um, it's it's the sportsmanship has been there from the start and it's still going strong. It's it's so wonderful to see that. I do much prefer these later seasons, how they how they format the finale compared to earlier ones where they would send them off immediately. That felt very unfair. And it's it's really cool to see everybody in the room all at once. Everyone gets that little time on the camera. You get to, you know, everyone's there together. And I much prefer that. And it's really cool to see that. Um, that sportsmanship, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nina and Sam, like class acts, you know, I mean, we see Nina say, you know, they, they, they turn to Nina and she says, these guys really inspired us to build better. And, you know, she just says, I'm just so grateful for the whole experience. And, you know, like, like, wow. I mean, to your point, like, uh, often they talk about at the Olympics that the first place, you know, the gold medalist is beaming and smiling. The the bronze medalist is beaming and smiling because they're just happy to have made the podium. And the silver medalist is the one that was like, that's always upset because because, you know, they, they were so close to gold, but they didn't get it. And so you often see like, you know, the, the gold and bronze are smiling and the silver person is just like pissed because they were so close. But you don't get any of that from Sam and Nina. I mean, the face the faces said it all like there's just a genuine like love in this room. And, you know, so I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, you know, I think this this was a close final. I mean, I like I think it literally could have gone any way. What do you think was the difference maker? You know, as we see Robert and Christopher here with the win, you know, to Sam and Nina's second place. Yeah, it's so actually that's really as we were talking about it, watching it, we're like, this is a pretty close finale. It's not like uh, you know, cut and dry, and and I would say that's the case for most of these Lego Masters. Sure, cars. but um, it's it it really was kind of like wow. They, I think I think we ended up calling it though before they went into judging. We're like, I think Christopher and Robert have got it. And one of the things you got to think about is um, in our season, which was news to us when we were announced. The initial prompt was, we're also considering all you've done this season. So mm. you got to think about you know Sam and Nina were probably they were thinking about them earlier winning the golden brick, but they're also thinking about them losing the golden brick. You're thinking about Christopher and Robert having an absolutely overwhelming amount of uh, momentum going into this. I mean, this this was the fourth challenge in a row that they won. So that is probably you know still fresh in their minds. And I think that it also Brickmaster Amy is just she's really about that color. And I think that uh, I think that Christopher and Robert really did capture a lot of those bright colors very well. So there's a, a couple of things that come into my mind that could have weighed in the judges opinions in the final moments. Yeah, it's tough because like I think that, you know, the, the extra addition of it being a Lego set certainly calls at least into question. Did they pick Christopher and Robert's build because it would make the better Lego set? And I don't know if I, I would immediately say that that's obvious that, you know, it would make the better Lego set, but it certainly it certainly makes me wonder how much that weighed on the judges. Um, you know, I think I, you know, listen, like you said, everyone had their ideas coming in. I imagine they were still told, make your master build, you know, like we'll figure out how to turn it into a Lego set. Like, don't change path, like make the build that you wanted to build to show us your skill, to show us who you are, to be, you know, show your creativity, whatever you wanted to bring to it. But I am curious if, if you know, the Lego set of it all did come into play. And while I think Sam and Nina's build 
obviously was an incredible story. And and like, I'd say like their vignettes were the highest quality building that we'd seen in the finale. Like those components were just built so expertly. You know, I do wonder if maybe it's like I said, this plain theme and the and travel is so universal to everyone and all that sort of stuff that gave it like a little bit of that edge as far as the adaptation of a set and and how much that even mattered to the judges. Who knows? Yeah, I I don't I don't see the set being too much of a factor. Uh personally. I don't think it's um I don't think it would have hurt too much. I think Amy and Jamie would have been I think the whole Lego team would have been happy with whatever the winner was. Um, their builder, their designers are, they're all very talented. I don't <laughs> think it would have hurt them too bad. Um, but but you, you touched on the themes. I think the themes is what did it a little bit more. Um, to, to build, we've seen family builds um, all throughout the season, sorry, all, all throughout the show. We've seen fl- family theme builds and they're kind of tricky. They're kind of tricky because it's from, I've touched on this in the past, it's from you to them. It's from you to them. It's to the judges, to the audience, to, to Will. Like that's basically, you have to um, make sure that your build isn't too exclusive to yourself. And that's really tricky because it's from your heart. It's it's important. But I think uh, in this specific scenario, I think Christopher and Robert pulled that off just a little bit more, more clearly than, than Sam and Nina, just by a hair. Because I, like I mentioned, um, an airplane, who hasn't flown an, flown an airplane? Most people or have. Or seen an you know, airplane. Or seen an yeah. airplane or experienced some sort of travel or something like that. Now, obviously, a tree is very universal too, but the vignettes, you might not see your own family in them. You might, but you might not. Like, what if your mom didn't like to cook and she wasn't, you know, a cook in the kitchen like, or whatever? I don't know, I don't know what, what, what that's about. Or your grandmother didn't like to cook or something like that. Uh, th- there's, there's more that comes into play. Um, but for Christopher and Robert, I think it was the theme. I think the colors both had great stuff. Scaling was both amazing. But um, yeah, I think it was that universal idea. Accessibility. Yeah, that accessibility. You could approach the design with, you know, you, you could put your own imagination into it a little bit more easily than, than Sam and Nina's. Not by much, but I think it was just enough. Yeah. Well, and the thing I, I think about is, you know, having talked to the, to the Brickmasters, the judges before, when they are making tough decisions, they go back to the original challenge. And so sometimes I like to do the same thing in my notes, you know, because I literally write often, especially with the setup of the challenge, I write it almost all verbatim. And, you know, Amy said, we want you to build from the heart, dig deep and impress us with a build that everyone will fall in love with. I'm talking awesome storytelling, epic creativity, and of course, great technical prowess. And so part of me looks at that and, you know, thinks if, if that's the criteria that they're looking in, looking at, you know, they want them to build big, they, they, you know, awesome storytelling, epic creativity. And I wonder if like Sam and Nina's build was like a really touching story that was sort of like intimate in a way. And it and was that epic? I mean, certainly the size of their tree was, but I wonder if like traveling the world and da 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 da, like, does that add? And then like, there's the dream element and did it like to your point, like, does that? add a little bit of this epicness and and excess creativity, whereas like the tree is something earthly and, and, you know, something like we're like less is not foreign to us. And then these intimate stories, you know, is, is, is that as creative as that they are capable of, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's so hard because it's like half a dozen, whatever that saying is, you know, it just depends on the day. It depends on how the judges are feeling. Like it, it could go either way because Sam and Nina's build was unbelievable. It's just these little like nitty gritty things that 
we're forced to debate here on the podcast about what, you know, what they're looking for. And ultimately, we aren't the judges. We don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, art is subjective. So there's always going to be that kind of calculus of what are Amy and Jamie thinking? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you mentioned that prompt, uh, when Amy uh, mentioned we want to see story, we want to see um, technical um, technical uh, ability. ability. I was thinking in the chair, like, please say color. Just say color. You got to say color. <laughs> like, name off these, these. I'm like, where's the? We know what you want to say, Amy. You got to say it. So that one definitely uh, stood out to me. I got to say, but I, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it there, Michael. I think, um, yeah, I think it was the accessibility. I think that it all comes down to that as far as their theme, because both builds, like you said, were insane. The technical technical prowess was crazy, but yeah, I. Yeah, I think it was just a little bit more inviting. Your imagination was invited a little bit more with that air. I think yeah. that's that wanderlust that people have. You know, they could you could hook on to that emotion of what's on the other side of those mountains kind of thing. You know, like that's yeah. I think that was um I think that that was that little ingredient that got it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Nina and Sam here because you know, I think the show could have given us a little bit more time to sit with them at the end. So we're gonna take it here. I mean. This was an exceptional team, like, you know, to do a little bit of what Mark did, you know, talking about, you know, Paul and Nalita's journey, you know, Nina and Sam, they kicked off so strong with an unbelievable win in the very first challenge. Like they didn't, they didn't come to mess around. Uh, And they won three out of the first four challenges. They won the golden brick, certainly lost the golden brick, but we were able to win it back, which, you know, I don't think we've ever seen, you know, a team sort of win the golden brick twice. And I mean, like this team brought it every week that you know and even when they had the golden brick they were willing to take bigger risks like the rug and other things that maybe we would have disagreed with those choices but i mean they were willing to do it and and they really brought just so much to the show so you know mark what what's your final thoughts as we think about you know all the amazing accomplishments that this really unbelievable team was able to do and that getting like i said getting the silver here is an unbelievable win and and they have so much to be proud of so you know what's your thoughts as we as we look back on Nina and Sam yes Nina and Sam what a special team what a really memorable team they did such a great job from the get go and at the same time when i first saw them appear on screen I'm like Okay, that's an interesting team. You got mo- um, mother and son. That's a nice dynamic. And then they go and they win. And then they they win again. And they start. They won the golden brick. And it's like <laughs> this is whoa. This is like I had no idea. Very I, I underestimated them initially for sure. And so the double win of golden bricks. That's so special. It's so interesting because winning the golden brick is like as rare as getting to the finale. It's like super hard to do. And then to do it twice is just mind blowing. Uh, some gigantic builds. Like I think they've kind of raise the bar and change the game as far as what is even physically possible in this kind of, uh, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours. That's not a lot of time. That's a, no. a regular duration for Lego Masters US and so, or U- North America. And so it's, what what an accomplishment. They they um, they both did incredible job and they complement each other so well. And I mean, they, they should be super proud of everything that they've done throughout the season. I mean, second place, nothing to sneeze at. They're, they're finalists. They went the, they went the distance and they should be proud of everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stephen, what's your thoughts? It was clear from the start that like these, the, this team is here to stay. Uh, oh, they yeah. were like, okay, top three for sure. Like uh, I had them pitted to win the whole thing. Like there, there's, there's their whole dynamic, their whole team dynamic, everything about the, the way they complemented each other. Sam was, it's pretty obvious Sam was the Lego builder, obviously. Sam was the guy who put the bricks down like on his own free time. And Sam was the one who went to the conventions. 
But Nina, you got to get that creativity from somewhere. So Nina, seeing that creativity, that planning, guiding that, force. that guiding force, that brilliant balance, reining it in sometimes, letting it go. Because uh, Sam is very fearless. He's surprisingly fearless in what he's willing to, <laughs> to tackle. Um, I got to say, um, I know everyone talks about the rug because the rug is insane. And I hope I didn't speak too <laughs> soon about the largest Lego ma- Lego builds of Lego Masters ever with that plane. It may be the rug. I want to correct myself just in case. But for me, I, I honestly have one favorite build from each season. For season one, it was Mark and Boone's shark romance tragedy, their monster movie that they built. <laughs> And for season two, it was Zach and Wayne's Dragons. That was like my favorite build. We're not talking about finales. That was my favorite build. Season three, it's Greg and Brendan's dog. And yeah. for season four, it's the clock. That yeah. blew my mind. So that they they hold a very special spot in my heart as far as these builds are concerned because, man, they, they changed the game. And it was legendary to watch them go. And uh, yeah, just such an amazing, they embodied so much of Lego Masters. It was, it was a joy to watch them. Yeah. And like at the end of the judging, we did get a little bit of a check-in with Sam and Nina and Nina says, you know, it's been quite a journey. And the best part was really spending time with Sam. As kids grow older, you don't get to spend as much time as you'd like. Spending the past couple of weeks with Sam has really, has been uh, really something I'll never forget. And like that, that really sums it up too. Like, this is one of those unique experiences, you know, like, you know, even like for the two of you, you know, getting to spend that much time, just the two of you, it, you know, is a special thing, you know, but for a mother and son, you know, you're off doing your own life, your own career, starting your own relationships or families or, or whatever it is that, you know, you're interested in, you know, oftentimes those things take you away from your parents and listen, we all should get a little bit away from our parents, but, but, you know, it's healthy, but, uh, but, but still like to have this sort of quality time. Like, I, I can only imagine what, how special that is. And, you know, especially with such a special team, like you all said, like, you know, this was really an unbelievable team and so exciting to get to see what they were able to do on the show. And it was a really unbelievable season. Um, you know, as we say, congratulations to Christopher and Robert. You know, I, I think ultimately for me, like, I'll, I think like they brought a fun energy to the show, like, a, a, like an unbridled enthusiasm that I really think took them far. I mean, their their presentations like you know Christopher's like unbelievable uh vocabulary and his singing and his commitment to the bit um you know I mean like those are the things that I think you know you know I don't know the villainy n- never got to me I, I think online people are are like more annoyed with him being a villain and they don't want a villain to win listen I watch a lot of reality TV shows where people are real villains you know like there was a guy on Survivor <laughs> yeah. Johnny Fairplay he he told everyone in his tribe that his grandmother had died. She was alive and well. Um, you know, like, it's so like there's, there's been some truly like villainous moves that have been made on reality TV. Nothing Christopher did would, I would consider one of them. But I think like the thing that if, if I'm a future team and I can take away one thing from Christopher and Robert, I think it's really that like that enthusiasm and that creativity taking every challenge and like going all out with it. First of all, I think you'll have more fun but also I think like that will be rewarded. Like I think the judges really enjoyed how playful they were, how, like how much they went for it. I, I think back, like they're the only team that both did the modeling for the bag. And it's cause like you're on TV, you're on Lego masters. This is your chance. And I think like Christopher and Robert really embodied that for me, but any final thoughts on Christopher and Robert's legacy here on the show? Yeah. I think this team really embodied fearlessness 
and joy at the same time in equal <laughs> measure. And uh, the villain bit, at first I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. And by the end, I'm like, yeah, he's doing the singing and the voice. It's great. So it <laughs> won me over. I, I I don't know how it happened, but a 180 on that one. So um, yeah, great work, both of them. You should be super proud. Uh, they came in with, I would say, kind of low expectations for themselves. Like, oh, we're just trying our best. We, we they, they honestly admitted, like, we're not really... Like we're not coming in as pro builders. We're just love Lego. And it, it took them a long way as you can clearly see. So great job to them. Yeah, it was, it, it's almost jarring to see someone with so little stage fright as Christopher. <laughs> it's almost like, is this guy an actor or something? Cause this is off the chain. Like it's crazy. I'm not gonna lie. Most people in the Lego community are not exactly big TV personalities or whatever. Most of them are not YouTubers. Basement Most of them, dwellers. <laughs> some of them are, I, I'm, not excluded from that list. Some of them can be basement dwellers. And it's nerve-wracking to be on that camera. And yeah. I know how terrifying those many hundreds of thousands of dollars where the cameras are, are, are in front of you. And to see Christopher just go, like, just, like, <laughs> land these crazy notes. And no no fear at all was, like, holy, wow. Oh, did not see that coming. But And just, and on the flip side, it's so fun to see Christopher, such a, and that's right, uh, Robert, such a, a man of such few words, but always landing them every time. It was, that was another fun. The duality was just like, it was, it was poetic. It was poetic. Yeah, it was legendary. Yeah. It, it was, it was insane to watch that. So they should be so proud. I mean, what a fantastic run. Build after build after build, wonderful concepts, great imagination, and just downright fun. Like, they were so excited to be on set. It was amazing to watch. Yes, absolutely. And to your point, like, Robert, I think he was, like, their secret weapon. I think he was just, like, doing some, like, masterful building. And, like, I think he, like, made all of their collective dreams, like, happen. Like, I think he was, like... You know, like, you know, they both had crazy ideas and he like made sure it actually happened. And I think like this was like, like I said, to me, as someone who's like not, you know, the big, you know, crazy mock builder like the two of you are, it's really inspirational to see what they were able to do. And and it almost feels like if you, you know, they always say there's, um, you know, uh, uh, creativity, storytelling, and technical ability. Like those are the three categories that we've had of judging criteria for every challenge since season one. And I and I sort of wonder in some ways if creativity can take you all the way, even more so than any of the other things, you know, like, because I think if you're creative, you get the storytelling. But even if you can't back it up with all the crazy build techniques, it's I almost feel like it's enough. You know, like if you can just be unbridled creatively, I think you're you're going to go very far. And this team definitely shows it. Um, but, you know, normally here at the end, we talk about the next episode, but there is no next episode. Well, there is the holiday spectacular, which I'm really looking forward to. And we'll be definitely covering here on the podcast. But what I'm curious to get your thoughts are is now that we've looked back on the season, we've had four unbelievable seasons. What do you think? What do you think should be next? You know, you know, what have we not tackled? What what does the show need to lean more in on? Or, or, or just what are your thoughts here as we look to the future of what could be the next best Lego Master season? Well, I don't know if it's the next best, but one thing I really want to see, I've heard plenty of rumors, nothing really hard confirmation, obviously. And I've heard it from the fans millions of times over is Lego Masters Juniors. Yeah. So I've heard it a lot. I want to see something happen. I can't really say for sure. I can't say if I'm like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I want to see that. I think they could pull it off. I think they could do it. I think it'd be fun. And I'd love to see kids see kids up there. It's one yeah. thing to see grownups do it. But imagine kids driving race cars, you know, versus adults driving race cars, you know, like that. I, 
I think that would be a big hit. I want to see that. Yeah, well, I mean, they did the casting, so you know, we can expect that it's coming. Um, you know, on Lego Masters Junior, but yeah, I think that would be so much fun. And maybe like that's one of the to your point, like one of the elements we're missing is like imagine you know uh, twelve teams of Chris's who are like cackling during the you know the two uh, K drive you know race. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for, if it's anything like the chaos of uh, season one, episode seven, the storybook challenge when they brought the little kids on. You know, like I'm all for it. So yeah, I think I think to your point, like um, you know, I almost wonder if the show has taken the technical elements so far that now we need to like lean in more on the fun and the crazy and the wacky, you know, like have it be like, Oh, you know, build a, build a character that's never been seen that has the weirdest things. And you have to be inspired by three objects you pull out of a hat or whatever. Like, so you have to make a trumpet stapler, you know, water slide man or something. And I don't know, like, uh, you know, like just like some of the most random things, I think maybe that's sort of the fun. We need to lean more into the fun and the crazy, but, um, you know, Mark, what, what do you think might be missing or what, what do you, what would you love to see coming into a future season? There's a couple things I think they could do to kind of change things up. I mean, obviously they, they do something new every year and they go bigger and bolder, but, um, one thing I've seen Australia do and uh, the, the North American version can always take notes from Australia, I think, in that they go offset. They go out in, into the wild, they're flying drones, they're going off of high wire, their build has to make it across outdoors with the wind. There's some a lot more stuff to be had if you get a little bit more Mythbusters-esque with your <laughs> uh, concepts of your build. So I think that's something that could be explored in the future. Well, you never know. I know that the producers have watched Australia extensively are always taking notes. Oh, so yeah. We might see stuff like that in the future. One other thing is, once we get, like this is season four, we've got a lot of lego masters contestants alumni here we're getting to the point where i think you could circle back for a maybe you could call it all-stars but i would almost want to call it redemption or like Ooh. second chances and so like teams like you think about steven and steven brendan and greg uh zach and wayne and i would even say mark and boone but i think boone working for lego changes a few things yeah but um <laughs> it's like it, you want to see some of these teams just take another crack at it because you know they were so good and did such a great job they just didn't quite land, stick the landing, and you you could always see them enjoy themselves once again. Yeah, I, I, listen, I I certainly would love to see it. And and on Survivor, there was Survivor second chances where people were fan voted back into the game, and so I think that that would be a huge, like just an unbelievable way to do it. And like I think I think we're ready for it. You know, uh, if it was me, and I do love your idea of like taking it offset. Uh, I can only imagine, uh, you know, like somebody telling their story while skydiving or, you know, something crazy. <laughs> she just color turn... right when you skydive. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it just, uh, it just turns into a like wipeout where they're like getting knocked in the face while trying to do stuff. But so maybe don't go that in that direction, but, um, but it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I, this was really just unbelievable. I just want to say thank you to the two of you. I mean, I, we did last finale together. We're doing this finale together. So it feels like home when we get to come back together and talk about a finale episode. So thank you both so, so much for, for just joining me. This is really so special. Thanks, Michael. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Appreciate it, Michael. It's always fun to be back on Talk Bricks. Oh, yes. Well, and everyone's going to want to, you know, keep in touch with the two of you, especially, you know, having heard your unbelievable takes uh, on this podcast. So, you know, we'll start with you, Mark. Like, what are you what are you up to in the lego world and where can people find you oh um visit me at, at atlanta BrickCon because we're going to be there in february definitely check us out uh we'll be bringing a bunch of builds it'll be a lot of fun um but it, online you can find me on instagram uh, mark of fallworth and also on youtube i'm doing trying to do more stuff there 
So um, I'll be posting updates about things like my giant Rock Raiders build, lots of fun stuff in store for sure. Yes, the pictures of that, like I always, I just like just ogle all the details. It's just, it's so my thing. I love it. Um, but Steven, you know, what have you been up to and where can people follow you? So we've definitely been up to Atlanta BrickCon. We'd love to meet you guys. Uh, anybody who watches or listens to these awesome podcasts, we'd love to see you um, just on the other side of Atlanta. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, if, you, if you want to follow my work, um, I've got an Instagram, BrotherStephen100. Um, I also have a website, uh, Brother Stephen Builds, if you want to reach out for whatever reason. Um, check us out if you ever get the chance. And uh, yeah, that's me. Amazing. Well, listen, these are these are two good Instagram accounts. I mean, they, they've got some great build pictures. So you're going you're gonna to want to follow them. But um, tru- truly, I, I, I don't lie. Thank you both so much. This was so much fun. Getting to talk with you just makes me even more excited. And to your point, who knows, you know, we've got the holiday spectacular, maybe Lego Masters Junior, like, you know, there's so much to be excited about. And like, that's what you want to be, you know, like you want your you want your favorite show to feel like it never should end. And that there's just going to be 100 seasons and spinoffs and all this sort of stuff that we'll be able to talk about it forever. And it makes it even more fun to be able to talk about it with the two of you. So just genuinely from from the bottom of my heart, thank you both so much again. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate yeah, it. Anytime. Anytime. Yep. Anytime, Michael. So there you have it. It was so much fun getting to break down the finale with Mark and Steven, and it really was just such a fun season. But the fun, of course, doesn't stop there because next up, I've got exit interviews coming your way with all three of the finalist teams. And after that, of course, we'll be breaking down this year's holiday Bricktacular. And then after that, I've got a ton of postseason deep dives coming your way with this season's cast. So as I keep saying, while the season is over, the podcast is certainly just getting started. So be sure you stay tuned to the podcast feed to make sure you don't miss out on anything we have coming up. And of course, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. If you want even more Lego content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk Bricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.